Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Mike and Jamie are back. That's Mike Weldon and Jamie Hobbs. Except the roles are reversed this time. Mike is the racer and Jamie is the pacer. So we'll hear from Mike about his experiences from start to finish at the Burning River 100, which took place at Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio on July 29th. But at the same time, Jamie was pacing and was running a 47-mile race within that. So we'll hear from both of them. Additionally, there were uh, some other friends running around down there in the form of uh, Matt Bertrand and uh, Laura Reckerth and uh, Jeff Green and um, even uh, Mike Bray was down there. So you might hear a little bit about them and you'll also hear a little bit about uh, Davin Oskvig who is another uh, local guy who is, you may have heard of once or twice maybe, who is also running down there. And you'll also probably hear about Davin's uh, crew, who is his dad. And Davin's dad is uh, key to a lot of the success that Davin has and um, provided some of that help to Mike along the way as well. So you're going to hear a bunch of... uh, a bunch of people traveling from Rochester down to Ohio. Um, but since this is a Mike Weldon episode, folks, um, I have to warn you, um, you can't censor them. You can only hope to contain them. So uh, there'll be some uh, language in this podcast as well. Probably not one suited for the uh, the the young ears that, may not have heard all of those uh, words that we like to use when we're under stress. One last thing before we get into it. Um, I have to apologize if I sound a little nasally and sinusy. It, uh, you know, the pressure jumps and bounces around here in Rochester, and uh, this week is sinus week. So, sorry about that. But, anyways... Good thing uh, this was, most of it was recorded last week. As always, if you're interested in some of the topics discussed, check out the show notes for this episode. And these are some uh, some special show notes because we've included some, uh, some images to help you along the way. Um, and with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of Rochester, New York runners. I mean, even training for Burning River didn't go perfect perfectly, and there was, you know, two weeks off in the middle of the highest, what should have been peak training. Right. It's like, you know, you, you just learn to adapt to that stuff, and it's so much harder the first time in. Right, so it's when did you... Confidence is a huge it is. issue, too. Like, like you know, I have done it before, right. right? And, like... So when did you sign up for burning... Like, I think it was May or something you we, decided? Uh, April. I signed up when we had, like, finalized that 
Jamie and I were not going to do Vermont. We, like initially in the beginning of the year, we were like, cool, let's go do Vermont. And then like planning got awry and Laurel made more sense for him. And we were like, we'll do a Pacer swap. Uh, and then Dobbin was like, let's look at Burning River instead of Vermont just because it's it's new and he you know didn't like Vermont the one time he tried it too much and or he didn't have a great experience there and Burning River's closer and kind of like a really manageable point-to-point -point experience and I was like yeah uh, and then he signed up so I committed to it but I had to save up money for it which takes you know May a little bit longer so I think it was April maybe early May maybe it was probably April because I remember you know, I've been training for 100 all year. That was, you know, the the idea of this year for me was to do a 100 miler. It was something I wanted to do in 2013, backfired horribly. 14, I don't even remember, you know, running in 2014. <laughs> I had a good race and then like a bunch of shitty races. Um, so that was, I was like, I can, you know, I want to do this and I want to get it done mid-year and then like see what comes after that and just kind of have fun for the year after that, uh, or, you know, the next four or five months, and, uh, so yeah, it was an early in the year commitment, or the concept of 100 was, Burning River kind of got dropped in my lap, and, you know, it was great, because I'm totally in love with the race, uh, so that was, so say it's mid-April, and Burning River, Burning River happened the last weekend in July, so you're looking at, Two weeks in April, May, June, yeah. three weeks in July. So you're really looking at a 10-week, 12-week training cycle? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the idea of signing up for it was, like, way before actually right. pulling the trigger. So, so building, the base building was already Yeah, I would there. say, like, February, March was already, like, starting to build the base. Yeah. Uh, and then I got way derailed by the shin thing, the my, like, Tony Kropichka tibia thing. Where the, I was the phantom, like, I was like, the what phantom the hell is this? Shin. And I, yeah, and, I, and then... You know, there was a, I remember a PT came into Medved and she was trying shoes on and I was like explaining my plight to her and she's like, yeah, can you hop on one foot with no pain? And I was like, I don't know. And I like jumped on one foot in front of her and like kind of winced a little and she's like, yeah, you should probably stop running. And I was like, no. And then she's like, okay, well go get, you know, find a way to get an MRI. So two x-rays later and finally they're like, okay, get an MRI. And then it was like, okay, two weeks, I'll just stop here and wait for the results. And uh, it was clean. So then it was like rapid build, nothing ideal about it. Do you remember when that was? Yeah, I was left with five weeks. It was five weeks ago. It was yeah. like I had five weeks to build up from. I, I did uh, I jump back in. Ontario Summit was my first run back after two weeks off. And then... <laughs> yeah. The week, that week following, I did 50, then I think 60, 70, cut back, 100, like 50, and then backed off quicker than I wanted to. I was down south and it was too fucking hot to run, um, which I guess doesn't make sense if you're training for uh, a, a race called like Burning River. <laughs> end of July. Yeah, end of July, you know. Um, like, not slightly tepid river. Yeah. This is Burning River. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so, so training wasn't ideal, but it did, you know, I think I, I was prepared going in, um, and as prepared as I could have well, been. Well, I remember you saying, like, you were confident that you could train for a 50-miler in six weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I remember you going, you know, 50-miler, I, I can probably, I could get up to that. He's like, but uh, 
70 miles. Okay, let's say 70 miles. Where does the other 30 miles well, listen, come I remember from? I saw Jamie at Laurel, and I was like, the, we, you know, we crossed 50 miles, like three miles after he picked me up, and I was like, this is terrifying. Like, who does this? <laughs> and even he was like, can I take the 50-mile option? And I was like, <laughs> like this, you know, this is some scary shit right here. This, uh, You know, I remember, reading, I think it was Scott Jerk that was like, he broke down the 100-miler as being... Um, you know, it's a 50-miler, and then two more 50-milers are the next 50 miles. And it's and it feels like that. I like, distinctly remember, like, you know, every 25 miles felt like 50 more miles. And I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. But, um, yes, yeah, so I was, I think I was accurate in my sense of, you know, having bagged a few 50-milers where it's like, these are relatively easy at this point. You know, I would mm-hmm. comfortably dive into one, maybe not in shape to do great, but to, to do fairly mm-hmm. well and finish one. Uh, comfortably, um, but beyond that, it gets really weird. 100k, 70 miles. Laurel's a tough course. That was crazy. Um, and then, you know, 30 miles after that is, it's really scary shit the first time out. Which, yeah. You know. Yeah, I, it's sort of what I've been thinking with when we cut Twisted Branch into two pieces. Mm-hmm. We did the last 50k, and I'm like, okay, that's the last 50k. That's seven hours, 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the first 50k is eight hours. Um, eight plus eight equals sixteen hours. Yeah. Um, I gotta add probably four more yeah, hours. Don't plan on running seven forty-five after yeah. you've yeah. already run fifty k. Yeah. So yeah. you're gonna bag some good miles early. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, that's what I'm. Yeah. yeah that's where. I mean, there, there was nothing like race worthy about what we did when we did those previews. So. No, but know. there was there was something with the exhaustion at the end. Like yeah. there was a like this was an eight hour day. Yeah, but that's. I well, think, that's the thing. Time off feet is fucking killer. Yeah. That's why, like, my my concern with, you know, Jamie's pacing me and you know, ended up on your feet for like twelve hours or something. Was yeah, insane. you thought I was starting to feel pretty pretty <laughs> damn bad. I was like, this is like, you know, we were moving quickly a lot of the time, and I was like, okay, this is okay. But then I was like, this is just so much time on feet for a guy that's in the middle of training for what essentially amounts to a gold race. You know, it's a hundred k in which, you know, top five is totally reasonable and it's worth competing for. And I'm like, I don't want to you know, sabotage anyone's training for my, like, tail end of a race. But it right. was, you know, it worked out, and there was total honesty, communication open on both, yeah. the whole way. So, yeah, as you work up the distances, like, a, a 10K is not quite two 5Ks, but, eh, you know, like, the time is negligible. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, a half marathon, uh, okay, so a marathon, is it two halves? Mm, probably a little bit longer than two half mm-hmm. marathons. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it, it ratches up a little bit more yeah. exponentially, right? Yeah. Fifty is not two marathons; it's more than. Yeah, it's more than two marathons. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's definitely harder than you know. It's it's tough. Um, and then a hundred k is like I remember hitting a hundred k at Burning River and being like, I can't believe how freaking good I feel because every time I've hit that distance before in life, I've just been like, huh. holy shit, this is insane because it, right. it's taxing, man. Sixty two miles is that's a long way. That's like trip to buffalo you know um that's when i first decided that i was gonna start like i i i thought okay i'm gonna try this whole long distance thing i go what if what if my ultimate goal because i I live in chai lai and i live right by buffalo road Mm -hmm. so i'm like what if my goal really is just to run down buffalo road and end up at buffalo Uh one day like what if i could do that how, how far is it I think it's about 51 miles. Yeah, that would make sense. So, you know, and I'm like, what if I could just do that one, run down Buffalo Road and get to Buffalo? And I'm like, that's, mm, 
I'd stop for lunch in Batavia. <laughs> and I'm, I'm putting it all together. I'm like, that's a long ways. I shouldn't yeah. hold off on that for it's a while. I just I, I remember you saying that on a we were running on Buffalo Road once, and I think you mentioned that. And I just thought, I didn't know Buffalo Road. I thought it was just a clever name. Yeah, Buffalo, like the shitty Beatles or something. I, like, <laughs> I mean, I can hit it just like a couple miles from my house. Yeah, you're like right there. Buffalo right by. Uh, yeah, you could run by. Over there. You could run by and pick me up, and we can keep going. Doesn't sound like my favorite. No, it'd be terrible. Fifty miler in the world. That would be horrific. Yeah, I guess there is like a heritage run for Heritage House that runs the canal from somewhere around Equally here. Horrific. Yeah, That's, that seems worse actually yeah. to me. But there's those dudes that ran like the entire length of the canal. I yeah. Mean, that's suicide. That's yeah. like well, that's not traffic to deal with. Yeah. Well, and you can camp, right? Yeah. You know. I would find a road crossing and get run over. It. <laughs> I could make that happen. Well, I could. <laughs> like, we're thinking about that at Burning River. <laughs> for, yeah, at Burning River. We, I, actually, early on, I was having that talk with a girl that ended up finishing second, I think, maybe third. Second. And we were like, acceptable forms of DNF. And I was like, Getting hit by a car is really like <laughs> that's top notch right there. If you can manage in a trailer, like nobody is going to look down on you for that. And there should be a thing on Ultra Sign Up that's like fucking plowed by a car. <laughs> DNF. Uh, DNF. Hit by <laughs> car. <laughs> Mowed down in traffic. There's did not finish and absolutely could not finish. <laughs> but again, it was again like on that point again like the unmanned road crossings were some of them were like crazy. There was a few where Jamie had to be like, you know, slow down, because we're like barreling down. And Laurel was even worse. Like you're fresh out of the woods into some yeah. of these that are just. Some of those were more like highways. Yeah. Whereas yeah. these were just back roads. Yes, through parks and shit. But yeah. still, it was like getting hit by a car is a reasonable option. Compound fracture is one. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, which bone is compound fracture? <laughs> it's got to be in the lower body. I saw a picture in Trail Runner today of a woman. She was like 78, and she finished some mountain race out west with a bone sticking out of her arm. Yeah. And I was like, dude. There was a guy who posted to the Burning River Facebook page the day after with a pinky. dislocated pinky or something like that. thing was like, yeah. They looked awful. Some Jake Plummer like, shit. I keep running. What this guy? Just don't try to like open you know, the Yeah. You know, if I lose like one of my fingernails, there's a good chance I'm, I'm all done. That's yeah. it. You know, I'm going to get dirt in it. It's going to get infected. Right. That could be like, deadly. Hand shoes. <laughs> For ultra <laughs> um, all right, so now that we've laid the groundwork for what <laughs> what might have happened here, um, you guys went down to Burning River on Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, we left at like three. Okay. Three and a half hour, four hour drive. Yep. Yeah. And, four hour drive. And a four a.m. start. So yeah. you have a hotel room for Friday night. We did. We Jamie and I stayed with with Dobbin and his dad. Um, they were out eating when we got there, so we hung out for a minute. And then they got back, and we went to eat burritos, Qdoba. Decent, you know, for the plug. Um, <laughs> could have been better, but uh, Jamie terrible. had some beers. I, Mike was not Mike was partaking. jealous. I was, Whoa. Yeah, I was strict. Yes. I, was, I was on point. I was like, you know, I've, I've made it this whole week. No beer, no caffeine. And... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear um, how quickly you went back to those afterwards. So we'll talk. I'm still off caffeine. Oh really, dude? Yeah. That's. I'm that's pretty a, good about that. I feel less. A, I feel like less drugged all the time. Well, and it's such a part of my life. And so when I went off caffeine for like a month, I felt like I actually had more time in the day. 
Yeah. Like, I didn't feel like the morning, you know, when I, I get up and I have like two or three cups of coffee, I feel like, oh, whoa, it's lunchtime already. Yeah. yeah. If Still I don't just have, gearing up. Yeah. If yeah. I don't have coffee, I'm like, just chill through the day. And well, it's like, it's, yeah. it, it's kind of like I remember cigarettes being, like, where I literally could not start my day without it. Mm-hmm. Like, if I had to do anything before I smoked a cigarette when I was like 25, it's, just, it's not going to happen. I would just be pissed off, I'd be irritable. And that's you know that's how caffeine became. Um, yeah, dude, that's a that's a huge deal. Yeah. Wow. But I think I think like it was weird, and this kind of makes sense to talk about um, the the week before the race. And anyone that like had to run with me, I ran three times that week. And they were all group runs. Or no, I ran home from work one night and felt decent. To Monday night, maybe you know four miles, nothing, whatever. Um. Wednesday, the group run, six miles, Medved, and I just, like, it was, like, concrete. It was terrifying. I was, like, I can't do it. I would stop and walk a couple times, and I'm, like, this is, these kids are doing, like, a nine-minute pace on the road, and I just can't hang. And it really scared the shit out of me. I went home, and I had this, like, lingering respiratory thing, which always happens when I'm tapering. I just get, like, a chest cold and a headache. That's totally exacerbated by um, the caffeine thing. I think, like, jacked up the headache a little bit, so I got a little more paranoid. Uh, and I, you know, I'm in bed and I, uh, feel like shit, fever spikes, naturally, um, you know, it wasn't extreme, but it, it was enough to be, like, totally bugged out about having to run 100 miles in a couple of days, and then the next day I had to lead the, the run at Black Creek, which is nice, because there's no climbing or anything, so it's pretty mellow. We have one hill in Black Creek. Huh? Yeah, I hit that hill pretty, pretty <laughs> um, I mean, was like, take the fast group, and I was like, no. And he was like, okay. And uh, so I'm out with, you know, the the four-mile, 12-minute pace group, and these women are just putting the hammer down, it feels like. Um, it was like when I ran with Tim Olsen that one time, you know, one <laughs> mile at, at Tim Olsen pace, and I, that's what I felt. And I was just gassed and just scared shitless, and I was like, I don't know what this is. And I kept being like, you know, did, was the caffeine abstinence a mistake? Am I, you know, am I, like, missing something else in life? And you and everybody else is like, it's just taper shit, you'll be fine, just relax. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I think that was a big part of it. It was totally different than anything else I've ever felt in my life. I would, like, I've never felt that, like, completely fried while trying to run. Um, and consequently nervous. Yeah, uh, some people will say it's a bit scary for only one week caffeine yeah. withdrawal. Like, it can linger for yeah. up to a week. Retrospectively, I think... Two weeks. Two weeks out would have been a better idea just to let my body adapt it. Because, I mean, you know, that and alcohol, like, they're both huge parts of every day of my life, or were, and just the shock to my system was probably a little Mm -hmm. bit more than irresponsible. Uh, But but ultimately, I think knowing that you could do that now yeah. you know that's probably I feel, I feel pretty good now about the whole thing and and I mean the money that you spend on monster drinks yeah you know, things that, like that that could be reallocated uh-huh. that could be to beer <laughs> <laughs> um, I think like even you know the first 20 miles of the race 30 miles I was, I was still feeling some of that like sluggish like yeah every time Mike came through a aid station the first 20, 30 miles, I don't remember when it stopped, but he kept saying, oh, my legs aren't are sluggish, my legs haven't woken up yet, blah, blah, blah. I think I was like, I just, 
was I, I was like maybe expecting it though. I think I was optimistic. Uh, yeah, I mean you weren't like good. too worried about it. Yeah, I mean that's obviously there's no way to not be, you know dropping's not an option. Right. Like that's the the beautiful thing about bringing people out of town with you, is that dropping becomes not an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like these people drove here for me, and right. I will return the favor by finishing this race. And so I had no choice but to wait. And, and then 50K, you could say, the lowest fucking point I've ever had in a race, ever. I was like, it was abysmal. I'm in the woods alone. Um, and uh, I just, I, like, I was like, there's no way I can do this two and a half more times. It's just not an option at all. And I just, you know, I, I think about those things. I watch a lot of videos with endurance athletes that talk about, you know, peaks and valleys and the you know, outright swearing that low points do pass, you know, as they come, they will go away. And I've seen people, I've just never had one that low. I was like, holy shit, you know, 70 more miles of this. And uh, I was like, I've run 70 miles, but never more than that. And I'm already 30 miles in. Was the heat an issue at that point? Yeah, I was getting to that point. I think it started to get pretty damn warm. Because it was cool. Perfect running temperature, first thing when yes, the race started. It was, it was beautiful. Oh my god, then, it started at a great temperature. That's yeah. what I was thinking when yeah. I looked at the weather. I mean, Jamie had, his, like, I think you had your Zane Gray shirt on. Yeah, it's and, uh, on. Yeah, people were pretty comfortable with the aid stations, just, right. you know, and felt great to run in. Um, but then you know that there's going to come a point when the heat's going to kick yeah. in and it's going to get brutal out there. We were on some exposed sections in the beginning, and, you know, sun, I think 10 maybe, it started to get a little uncomfortable right. noon was bad when you came into that first loop at oak ledge i don't remember what the mileage is there like 27 maybe and then again or maybe that's in the early 30s and then the second time through his late 30s i don't yeah. remember that's the first time the heat was kicking in yes. you were hot and yeah. you were uh, yeah because i think that was where i was needing to get cooled I, down the first the first loop I, I went out and then i came back in and mike bray was still with me at the time yeah. and uh there was a, a lot of the climbing in the race was like in that little you know four mile loop or however long it yeah. was and it, yeah it was really starting to get warm then but low point passed then and I didn't have another like wicked bad low until you know I hit 50 miles really pretty feeling good um I think a trail 50 PR actually I was like close to you know you must have a was oh, right, 10, but I, hit a, I hit a fucking wall right after, after 50, 50 and yeah. just holy shit man it was terrible so another low point you you know your first half of the race and you've hit these two substantial lows um and it was at that point i was just like you know i get jamie soon and uh what's that one that's the that's a lake Erie monster oh no those are good what's what yeah. you pick but it's like uh, a nine percent this oh is that but Lake Erie is yeah, it's a nine nine percent. That's this is like a four percent saison. Right, it's a saison. Yeah. Yeah, the Lake Erie had me like comatose after the race. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I didn't pick it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, considering what I did this morning. Welcome to the beer podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How's that? Well, that's the goal. really yeah, the that's a good, goal. Yeah. There are some things we can fix in post. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. I do really, I really did want that Lake Erie Monster, but I was feeling slightly responsible for some reason. Yeah. It's a flavorful beer. It is. Oh, I like it a lot. Yeah, it's, I just don't want to fall asleep and break my I'm, headphones. Yeah, Who makes this one? This is a brewery in Connecticut. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard of it. Yeah, see, the thing is, I'm really not, like, a Saison. Two roads. Two roads. Yeah, it's kind of a little... 
I'm not really a Cezanne guy. I was not more of a Lake Erie Monster guy, so uh-huh. I was like, and I can't even oh, afford sorry. a Cezanne property. Yeah. yeah, you fucked that one up. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Dry, refreshing farmhouse style ale. Yeah. I like the artwork. Pretty sweet. It's called Worker's Comp, because what it says on the label <laughs> is that these were used as payment for farm workers. Well, maybe not these particular, oh, but Cezanne but, was. Yeah. I just say Worker's Comp is a great beer for a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I saw the name, I thought it was like, Oh man, my I broke my pinky toe and now I can't work, so I'm gonna drink a lot of beer. <laughs> Wasted. Look at my pinky. Uh, uh, but so anyways, we're talking miles, about we're talking yeah, about low points. And another fifty mile peaks and valleys. So I had what well, ended up real. I think really. So at thirty one at fifty k, you hit a low. I hit Somehow a low. you break out of it, but you're right back Pulled into through. another one at fifty. Yeah. Uh, so I got twenty, probably twenty miles of good running after that low. Um, Really like, and it was helpful. You know, there was a lot of people on the course, running the race. Still, it's a pretty big field. There was 200 plus that started, so you're with a lot of these people, for for a good chunk of time. Um, and then I think 50k was really the first time that I'd ended up alone on the trail, and I was just like, man, this is, the task became became more daunting than anything I've tried to do before. And I was like, I'll just hang on, I'll drop when I get to 50. Kept saying that. And then I knew that, you know, you get to 50, and you, of course you don't drop. It's pace or pick up in three miles. So 50 just sucks ass, total ass. Just, you know, dragging it, um, not moving well at all. I hit this, go through a little town. There's, like, this a, adorable little town, and there's, like, a, you know, just something out of, you know, a movie that Children of the Damned movie, I think it was. <laughs> adorable. Yeah. You know, we're... Adorable. Village of the Damned, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, it felt like that little town. And there was a road set, and I was just like, man, this is a really good place to drop out of a race. And I think it was the 50-mile finish line. It was. That was it, yeah. So I, we were like three miles up on um, the count. I, somewhere the 50-mile course goes a little bit different. Because it does. they come in from a different direction. Yes. Because it's the 53-mile aid station for the 100 and the 50-mile finish. Yeah. But totally weird little town. And I, you know, I pull up, running on empty. And I was like, um, I'm just going to sit down, drink a ginger beer. I'm going to kick up for a minute, chill, and pick up Jamie. Yeah. I get there. Jamie's ready to go. He's got the, the hat on. Straw hat. Straw hat. Yeah. Just looking proper as fuck. Um, and there was a barn there, so it made even more sense. It was just like, <laughs> everything was good about this setting. So, so he's... A- as this is, as you're going from aid station to aid station, you're somewhat crewing, right? You're also yeah. watching, like, what yeah. what kind of mess are you going to have to clean up, right, at mile 53? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so how's that going? Are you driving, like, yourself? Are you... I was. So, um, Laura, Matt, and Jeff were in one car, and I had my own car. Um, and we had plans to shuttle my car back to the finish that we kept putting off and they eventually were going to do that after pacer pickup so we didn't want to miss pacer pickup doing that and so I was driving on my own but I mean the distance, it was easy driving between the aid stations uh, someone drives stick though Matt it was Matt right Matt's Matt's uh, truck is a stick shift yeah because yeah. right. there was some like who else can drive stick type of thing right and they were yeah. trying yeah. to give Jeff lessons on the fly yeah and they're like <sighs> let's just do jammies I remember right. that conversation yeah. but so yeah, I mean, I had the thought when he came into 53, before that I'm thinking, you know, I don't know what, there was a gap between last time we saw him and 53, and I'm thinking, I don't know what kind of racer I'm going to get 
at this point, what kind of shape he's going to be in, what kind of attitude he's going to have. And I'm just going to have to kind of feel it out, you know, right. to see how it goes. And, like, you can tell he was pretty worked coming into 53, but also not devastated, but, you know, wanted to chill out for a second, fuel up, rest for a second, gather. I think really feeling the heat by then. Yeah. It was, like, getting pretty nasty. And so, but I knew that it was going to take me a, take a few miles before I kind of knew what right what Mike was working with at that point so did when the fact that you guys had this kind of exchange does that does that enter into your mind like maybe I was this kind of jerk to Mike you know or are you saying like boy I remember when Jamie came in he was difficult in this way and I'm not going to be that way no, like, does think, that think does that come in at all or are you just no, I think like, it was more like I mean I don't know. We run so much together as it is through, like, I mean, most of our running together is done in the winter when it fucking sucks. Yeah. And nobody wants to be out there in that shit. And that's why I think we started running together to begin with, is it's shit that nobody else will run in a lot of the time. And it's, like, these mindless, like, cemetery loops that are just, you know, you want quality miles, but the conditions are miserable. Uh, So we're used to, you know, running when it's not pleasant. Um, And, you know, Laurel was, we're, you know, very respectful of each other as racers and yeah. pacing mm-hmm. worked out well and yeah was, I guess that's, that's I think I was guided by like you know Mike did a lot of letting me dictate the terms uh, at Laurel when he was pacing me and I kind of figured that's what he would want too you know as mm-hmm. long as he wasn't doing anything ridiculously stupid and wasn't taking yeah. care of himself. Like, trying to that. find traffic. Or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, I mean, there was like... He's going to listen to what he wanted to do. I think he, a couple, like, close... Jamie, like, suggesting in the most friendly possible way and me ignoring it in the most stubborn possible way that maybe you should change your shoes. Yeah. You know, maybe you should change your socks. Uh, maybe we should stop fucking lollygagging at aid stations. Right. And, you know, things like that. There, And... You know, during the race, you obviously, like, that late in the race, you just stop caring. Yeah. And and that's, like, the very reality of your first, like, stab at a distance is that it just becomes about surviving and finishing. And it's like, right. okay, if I need to sit here and, you know, next time out, um, I look back at this experience and I think of most, the, all of the mistakes that I made that cost me two, three hours in the race were easily corrected by suggestions that my pacer was making during the race. <laughs> I was just promptly fucking ignoring them. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. But I knew where he was, and I wasn't yeah. going to push those suggestions. And I, and I was, was kind of like, come on, we can move to this aid station yeah. a little more quickly. It was the but, same yeah. shit like at Laurel, where he's like, I don't care, I'm just going to sit here on this bench. And I'm like, we there took a no phone call. Sitting, we, you know, it was just like... <laughs> we've, similar. We've been there before. And, yeah. uh... That's, you know, that's the reality of a new distance, I think. Um, and we're, like, I, you know, I'm not competing for the win. I'm not going for the course record or anything. So it, it is more of, like, you know, how, how good can you do and still have a good experience? Yeah. The only the only things that made me want to push him a little bit would... I knew what his time goals were and so forth. Yeah. I knew that, you know, late in the race, they're slipping away. You know, they're... And, like, okay, well, how close can we get to them? And, you know, mm-hmm. can I save a couple minutes for him here? And can I get him to... Mm-hmm average a higher minute per mile. Which, yeah, so ultimately, I think, like, you... Mess with it. Getting sub-24 was largely, you know, having a pacer was a huge part of that. And that yeah. eventually became a respectful goal. Once I kind of determined the impact that the heat was going to have on me, and then, more importantly, the darkness. The darkness, I think, was the great 
factor the, in that? The uh, physical darkness or the <laughs> metaphorical well, darkness? The actual <laughs> darkness. Like the darkness of the trails here. Like the ground is very dark. And yeah. it was something that I hadn't anticipated. I haven't trained at night. I've run with a headlamp a couple times in my life. And I, you know, it was stupid of me to, to go in there. But at, at the same time, I, you know, I wouldn't go back out and do these headlamp runs. I just take it as it comes. And it, it was a good learning experience, but yeah, I lost a lot of time to that. Uh, yeah, that that was one of the big... But, well, yeah, I mean, whether or not you lost the time is one thing. I think you were in a place where you're doing this thing, mm-hmm. right? And you're, eh, let's say, 60 miles in. And this guy's seven miles in. And this guy's like, hey, buddy, why don't you, like, get a little yeah. springy? And yeah. you're like, uh, why don't you go screw? <laughs> well, that, that, that was the good, the good part about Jamie. Was it, uh, it was always, those were there, but it was always, like, suggestive. Like, yeah. you know, do you want to do this? Well, you have quicker? you have the option of moving yes. faster. It was never like... I certainly was not thinking, like, oh, he's going to respond well to, like, me being all yeah. peppy. You know? Yeah. There were, you know, there were some... We did have some really awesome stretches of running. Sure. That I remember, like, distinctly, you know, there's surprisingly... Uh, and unexpectedly really awesome trails out there and yeah. once you get on the single track you, you know it was fun the downhills were a lot of mm-hmm. fun everything was really clicking and this is you know it was nice to be 70 miles into a race and be moving and be yeah. like this feels good and that's the part that you've done before is you and yeah. Jamie have run and explored single track together and done it well what, yeah. what you haven't done is Jamie kicking you in the ass mm-hmm. when you're 60 yeah. miles into a race and now now you've done that once yeah I feel like, so in that, as I said, in the, after 53, I was saying, you know, what kind of racer do I have? What kind of legs does he have? What kind of attitude does he have? You know, when we started out, it was freaking hot coming out of there. And, like, it was just, dude, a short little section of trail and then hit road where it just felt like an oven. And I'm just like, That oh, was really hot. Yeah. yeah. That section of road sucked. And then, the, okay, this is going to be a brutal hike for a while, a death march for a while or something like that. <laughs> but then not too long after that, I don't remember when we started hitting trails, single track, where it mm-hmm. felt slightly cooler and Mike was moving really well and I thought, okay, he, he can still run, you know. he. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a matter of there's some stomach issues, there's some energy issues at certain points, but the legs are still there. And yeah, like, that, I think know, like my nausea, I had pretty significant nausea from probably the start up until like you know, I think ginger beer at the Pacer pickup kind yeah. of helps settle that. And, you know, just having someone to distract me, someone that I knew and someone that, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have to talk, but it was like, you know, feet to follow and to like, yeah. you know, pitter-patter to think about. It wasn't just my own. And uh, that was really, I think, instrumental in kind of like calming everything. Uh, my legs had started to feel good for a while, you know, that like previous week's fatigue had dissipated somehow. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but yeah, we did, and it was it was funny. I was thinking about a lot about it during the race. How typically people run fast around roads and on trails, and it was like totally backwards during yeah. that race, where we would hit these trail sections and we'd be flying, and it was awesome. And it was just like you know, the, the reason you love running trails is just perfect. No, yeah. Felt great. And then you hit these like you end up on this little stretch of road, and it's like what the fuck again. Uh, and it's <laughs> like it was an oven. It was it was like. The, furnace on the roads it was radiating heat and you know I, I remember before picking him up I'd run out of water a couple times I had two 10 ounce handhelds 
one tailwind, one water, and I'd just been dousing myself in water the whole day just because I wanted to, you know, kind of stay cool. And I kept running out and being like, shit. Uh, eventually took a bigger handheld, so I had a 10 and a 20. Um, same thing, 20 with water, just dousing myself, and 10 trying to take in liquid calories. And, you know, it's scary when you're out there. And you, in that race, it became evident fairly quickly that the aid stations were not necessarily how far apart they had been indicated to be. <laughs> so it was like... It seemed especially... I don't know how you felt would, about the early miles, but the later miles seemed like they were further apart than It was pretty advertised. consistent through the race. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. Um, but yeah, there was somewhere... Like, we're... The two of us both were getting pretty frustrated, I think, with, like, you know, and we picked up the girl that had been in second for a long time, um, and she had been saying the same thing, like, this aid station was supposed to happen seemed like two miles, two miles ago, ago which yeah. is at that time was like 30 minutes <laughs> right. so it's like <laughs> shit uh, and you, you do get really kind of kind of burnt out on that stuff yep but well, when your watch has you at 85 miles and they come in and they tell you you're at 80 and that was that, that was like the, one of the most distinct parts about the race to me was we hit the covered bridge aid station it's a loop you hit it at 80 I'm making quote signs with my fingers for anyone that's just listening to this. Um, and then you hit it again at, I think, 80. 84. 84. 84. And we roll in and our watches both indicate No, they said 86, actually. Yeah, we're, we're, our watches are both like, cool, you're 84 in. So I'm at that point, you're like thinking... 16 to go. 16 to go. Like, you're starting to count down Yeah, so You're who, starting to like, you know... Who hasn't done 16 miles before? Right. So you're ready to go. You're primed. Moving pretty well. Things are good. Uh, and the, the one at the aid station's like great job guys mile 80 and Jamie's awesome. like really and he like sits down to like lube up <laughs> and and she's like yeah but in four and a half miles you'll be back here and it's 86 <laughs> so we kind of like look at each other and we're like shit like what's going on here we're in like bizarro world where numbers don't they aren't what we know numbers to be and sure enough we you know we there was some time in that that was probably the most miserable part of the race we hit this loop and there's like fucking coyotes and shit in there. There's like, it was, it was yeah. just dismal. It was they the really first work. like real darkness on dark trails. No foot. The footing was terrible in there. And it was this really like pretty mud. challenging, gnarly loop. There was a climb out of it that was pretty intense. Uh, and then we're back at Covered Bridge again. Yeah. I, um, I was watching like, I was watching sort of the splits come through yeah. online. Oh, yeah. And I was like, He's never gonna come out of covered bridge. Yeah. Like he's never coming it's out. out I'm just watching. I'm just watching, and I'm like, yeah. he's not. I'm. It's like three hours, and I'm like, did Mike? And then so then, I go and I look at the results page, and what they do on the results page conveniently, and it's one o'clock in the morning at this point, mm-hmm. is um they list everybody as a DNF. I know. It's until they yeah. finish. And so, like, okay, he's in Covered Bridge, which is a four-and-a-half-mile loop, and he's been in there for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> he, That's he, not right. He's not... He's yeah, because yeah, well, Craig had meant that. Yeah, he's like, there was 215 DNFs at Covered Bridge yeah. when he looked at it. And I yeah. was like, yeah, that was the thing. But, but then I was like, okay, so I got that because I scrolled all the way down. And I'm like, oh, everybody's a DNF. That didn't yeah. happen. But then I'm like, but he's, it's three and a half hours and he hasn't finished a four and a half mile loop. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, uh, I can't, I can't, I can't deal. And then 
again, genius like kicked in and I looked and I go, wait, nobody has a time for exiting the first loop of covered bridge. All right. People have times for exiting the second loop of covered bridge. Yeah. Okay, fine. He's not dead. <laughs> like, Jamie's not carrying his bib. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Bring me home. But it felt <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it felt to me like you guys were in that 80 to 90 stretch forever. It probably was. It I like mean, us. it was a very <laughs> long fucking 10 miles of running. It was, I mean, it had, I think, hit us both pretty hard. What happens is, in that race, and Matt and Laura had gone to pace the eventual winner, mm-hmm. who will be on the show at some point. And it, it's... We had uh, Jeff Green was set to pace Mike Bray, mm-hmm. so we had lost contact with Green for a bit. Bray had ended up DNFing somewhere in between where they dropped Jeff off and somewhere where we the 60s. saw Matt. Yeah, yeah, so we see Matt at some mile for the last so, time. Okay. I know where it was. It was 70. Yeah. And then at 70, you do a loop back to 75. Yes. Yeah. And so we saw Matt when we came in there at 70 the first time, and he was like, I'm going to leave some tailwind mix for you when you come back here at 75 we're not going to be here because we're going to go drop Laura off to pace down or whatever and uh 20 what was it 20 miles or something 25 miles it was essentially 20 miles from there because so that's 70 we didn't see crew again until 90 hours went by and it was I think it was starting to wear on both of us like it was dark there was definitely a difference between the aid stations where you saw a crew and where you couldn't. And where you didn't, yeah. I mean, for me, as a pacer, I felt more responsible at the aid stations where there was no crew around. You know, I'm like, right. okay, i got to take care of Mike before mm-hmm. I can take care of myself. Or, right. You know, it did, so yeah, it did become whereas me. Whereas when we came into a crew, I'm like, they and can that, take care of Mike, I can take care of myself. Gets, so that's where it gets really wackadoo, right? Because yeah. you're at a 50K now. And that's mm-hmm. the thing, like, he's fatigued, and I'm, like, handing handhelds to Jamie, like, I've been here, there for, like, you do seven this hours. because I don't know what the fuck I need to do. I want right. watermelon, take these... Yeah, and it was like find watermelon and a popsicle was my main objective at every aid station, and then I would leave the handhelds to him. But when Matt and Laura were there, I could give my shit to them. They can do that, and Jamie can do his thing. Yeah. Um, and so that's interesting because like I, I have a tiny bit of inside knowledge here in that originally we we knew we, when we were planning the trip that you would not want us to go down there. Like, we just knew that if we said, hey, Mike, we're coming to Burning River, you'd be like, stay home. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. But then um, they went. And then when they got there, you're like, you guys are jerks. That's the thing. Yeah. I never that's, I never really talked to them about that. That was like a spur of the moment thing. Like, we're coming. Well, it wasn't. I mean, we had a month plan. I know. Yeah. And to me, but then it we was. Just, but then we decided to tell you. But it yeah. comes out. Like, I remember, and, and nobody, you're the only person that, that really knows this, that, like, I think it was like two weeks before the race where I determined that I wasn't going to do the race and I wrote this um, you know I wrote what was supposed to be a message to you like don't you know don't bother coming because I you know I can't do this and I was going to not do it and and I never told you that and I never told and I I ended up sending it to Chris like I don't you know I'm not going to do this race and this was a couple weeks out and we talked for a minute and then I ended up just not really telling anyone else that and it was you know it, it was at a point of frustration I had gone to Buffalo and done what was ultimately the shittiest 22 mile run of my life it was so bad and you know the next day I got up and I couldn't fucking move my legs my hip flex like when you left Zane Gray and your hip flexors you can lift your yeah. legs I felt like I was like I can't lift my legs and I just ran 22 miles in fucking Buffalo like what happens when I have to do 100 somewhere else and like why am I wasting anyone else's time doing this 
and I go to see Strat the next day, and I was like, dude, like, fucking, like, get in there and kill me. Do something. And I just, it was, you know, uh, that night I talked to you. I went to do a 10, 10K at, at Cobbs Hill, and I'm running around this loop, and I was just like, I don't ever want to run again. This is stupid as fuck. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, I'm at work the next night, and I, I was kind of like, you know, what, what kind of runner do I remember being and what do I want to be and I, I can either like back out of this at the last minute or I can leave work tonight at 9 p.m. and go run you know 22 miles fast and and try to be good and fast again and I did that and then the next day 20 more and the day after that 20 more mm -hmm. and uh, and then like the pieces started coming back together and then I was you know 103 mile week and then you know everything was suddenly back in place and you know, I, I, I learned about that stuff, that, to, to use that during the race, to be like, you hit these low points, and um, it's like a microcosm of what happens in training, where you hit these ruts, and you will find a way out of them if you're just patient, and ultimately, you know, everything does get better at some point. Right. And, and what was interesting to me about that was it felt... You know, it, if you just if you just take the words that you said without all the context, it felt like, oh, this guy just basically just quit running and he yeah. hates himself. But more, I think it was that all finally, after like maybe a week or two of building, finally made its exit out of you. Yeah. Like you figured out how to go. Bleh. Yeah, like I okay. puked up a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, and then it was and then it was gone, and suddenly, yeah, you had a hundred mile week. And that's, you know, we, I, I'm not the kind of guy that goes to a race just to finish. I don't want to go finish. Mm -hmm. I want to do well. I want to race against people. That's fun to me. Mm -hmm. And I was at the point where, like, the training that I was getting in, it just felt like mm -hmm. status quo. It felt like, right. you know, I wasn't being, I wasn't able to push myself. And, uh, and I just, you know, one day was like, you know, what do I, what do I want out of this? Yeah. You know, go do better. And a lot of it had to do with... And I talked to Jamie, that I texted him that night from work, like, I'm about to try to do this, I hate running at night. Um, and you were like, you know, sometimes you don't want to do these runs, but they end up being really good. And that's what it ended up being. You know, I left Medved on foot and ran down into Parenton and then into East Rochester. And, you know, I got 22 or 23 miles at like a, you know, sub A pace and felt really comfortable the whole time it was like okay you know kind of that, that was it back right? in this uh yeah. and then you know a couple of days later i'm you know at mendon running you know 20 more miles at like yeah. 745 pace just and so that's the thing like ever i i i know that if we would have said hey mike we're all coming down to watch your 100 miler you would have been like yeah uh no yeah. But but then once you found out they were coming, right? And then so you now all of a sudden you have a crew. Mm -hmm. yeah. You got a pacer, and your pacer's probably pretty happy that you have a crew, right? right? Yeah, I mean that may I think that that is helpful. Pacing and crewing, I've done twice this year, and it's hard. Yeah. Like you do, like, you know, especially for Jamie and for Dobbin, who like are the two most important um, people in my running life. That like I strive to be as good as or better that like it's it becomes this like what do I do to make this as positive an experience for these people as I can possibly make it and it's just I know that pacing feeling. and crewing is like <laughs> fuck dude do you have to like 
you know, don't crewing is way harder. Pacing, you're just you're running and hoping that aid stations go well. Crewing, it's like you're driving and you're being welded and you're getting lost yeah. and you're like you're driving someone else's nice car and you're like, what if this thing blows up? What if I crash it? What if what if everybody dies? Uh, I was so happy you only had one road to drive my yeah. car down, and then you went and drove down another road. And, uh, everybody, everyone I grew for has children, and it's like, you know. So <laughs> in terms of crewing and being happy, there was a crew like. I said that the driving around from aid station to aid station was easy in the morning. It was easy because Laura made this amazing map with the directions like built into it. That like, even me driving solo, I could still read this thing while driving and still like have no problem at all. I still I managed to make a couple of wrong turns because like it say it clearly say turn left. It's amazing. Yeah, I turned right. Laura was Laura was all over the place. I got the screenshots of the website pulled up, and I'm like, dude, you said do this. And now I'm fucking in Twilight Zone here. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Laura's amazing. Um, yeah. Especially the, the graphics design. and the. I saw those maps and I was like, this is so much better than anything Do I could Do you have think. a copy of that, by the way? I was going to give you... I have a, a copy kicking around. I would I like give one, though, yeah. You should cool. have it as, it like, cool. to go with your yeah. poster. Totemistic. It, it, really, it, it really should be. Shows um, the whole course. And the, well, yeah. I, I think it really should be kind of her thing. Yeah. Honestly... The girl has a gift, and, yeah, and right. she doesn't really think about it too much. But. We were at aid stations looking at that map, and people would come up to us and be like, where did you get that? Mm-hmm. Can we get that? Yeah. Well, well, you should, well, you know you what? should talk to the race director. I bet you the race that. director would pay good money for that map. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. No, it was, it was amazing, and she had like she printed off a bunch. I remember we were in the hotel room with, with Dobbin and his dad, and we you handed him one, and you're like, this is yours, and he was like taken aback by it. He yeah. was kind of like, "Oh, here you go." And we're like, "No, it's yours." And he's like, Here's "What do you mean it's mine?" And he's like, "No, she made this, there's extra ones. Here's one for you." Here, and, son, and he was like, "Holy shit, go. this is amazing! Like, yeah. this is unbelievable." That, yeah, your you know, son's gonna go win, win this race. You yeah. should have this map. Like someone did this right. for for them, and you know his his meticulous planning for every race that the kid runs is just unbelievable, mm-hmm. and that made it like so much more accessible to him. Uh, And so now you got a crew, and your crew's uh, Jamie is part of the crew at the beginning, yeah. right? And now all of a sudden your crew starts sort of breaking up. Your crew is becoming other people's crews. Yeah, other I mean, can I say pacers. like how valuable it is having people that you know at every aid station? Like that was mm-hmm. my first experience with that. And I remember I, I, it's I unbelievable, it. man. Yeah. It like really does change the entire vibe of a race. This is like, this is again. So Laura has a gift, as does Danielle Snyder. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there are just people that are. I mean, yeah, aid station, and you know, even my simple little races. That idea that. Okay, that person's waiting for me. Mm-hmm. One, so maybe I'll put a little bit of mosey in my step. But two, once that person's there, everything will get better. You do. You feel you like you, it's recharging every yeah, time. You're everything like will get better. You know, oh they God, they can great. they have superpowers. They right. can fix whatever's wrong with me right and now. And I truly like with Jamie. I like truly began to understand the value of a pacer, especially at that distance, where it was like you know in the darkness in particular like we found a cornfield where we hit this cornfield and there was no fucking flag 
where like we hit the cornfield like dumps out into a road or turns left. Yeah. And there's a flag right like up to the road and we're like right oh, on the corner. You would think you cross. You can either go straight or you can go take a right down the road or, or left. You could take a left down the path in the cornfield. Fucking Who knows? And we're like we're both like what the hell? And I was like, well, I'm not going to waste any energy, so I'll start walking this way. You start running that way, and then you just call out when you find a flag. And that worked beautifully. Like, I did, you know, because I had gone off course early in the race, mm-hmm. and I didn't have any more energy to do that again. Emotionally, that sucks. Right. Going off course in a 100-miler, as I've learned, sucks ass. It's the worst thing that could possibly happen in a race. Uh, and, you know, having a pacer was totally awesome for, for things like that. And that happened a couple times where it was like, you know, where are we? Are the flags? Is there anything? And it was just... Yeah, I, God, I knew I should jog down the way I thought it was and spare any there. excess energy. You know, our judgment was right, I think, most yeah. of the time. Yeah, it was down that way. Yeah. yeah. And so when did Mike's crew become your crew, Jamie? Um, well, I mean, from at every aid station we could see them, that it was helpful to have them there yeah. for me. And I'm one for taking any load off my shoulders too just because I was out there for a long time you had, that, that, that's what I you mean, had a new yeah. pack you had a big ass pack you, I did new equipment yeah. uh, I'd used it a couple times it was a pack with a bladder the bladder was the bladder was it was great yeah, yeah, yeah it was two liter it. and I was not needing to refill it very much yeah, yeah. Um, right, but, but if you're going to finish this race you will have run 47 miles right yeah. um, probably around the probably the real time when I was starting to, to feel it was mile 90 um we rolled in 90 and I just before that I got in a text I had to, my phone with me figuring I should carry it just in case responsible responsible like, yeah, you know and, uh, um, Mike would have a quarter a for from, a payphone from Laura being like do you want someone else to take over for you and uh, you know I said no at that point I, I wanted to finish and I felt like I could I really could have, except you could have. Yeah, except there's no reason for it. Right. Um, but you know, it's just very helpful to have him there, there at ninety. It was late in the race. Um, that was when Mike decided to change his shoes finally, and you know, we needed a little crew help at that point. We hadn't seen crew for twenty miles. Um, that was very helpful. And at that point, Laura's out running with Davin. Right. No, and she was back. Laura had finished at yeah. that point. Devin was in the hotel sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> That's how fast he was. Right. Uh, and his dad had come back for that because I remember, like, I was like, I'm going to peel my socks off and he's going to tell me I have to stop because the agony. I was like, I don't even know what's under these things. And he just kind of, like, smirked and was like, you look good. And I was like, thanks. Yeah, and we should definitely include a, a picture of those... Uh, Hobbits' yeah, feats yeah, in, the, in the show notes. We'll apparently, that. they were worse at that age station. I didn't really look at them than they were at the finish. Oh, yeah. So, apparently, changing the socks and shoes helped. Yeah. I remember, like, right out of the age station, the first thing I felt was these two golf balls on my heels explode in my shoes. And it was just the most painful shit ever. And it had been the most painful shit ever, so it didn't even matter at that point. I literally, and he kept, you know, reminding me in a very friendly way throughout the race, like, you know, you might consider changing your shoes. And yeah. I was like, no, I can take it. And then I couldn't take it anymore. Right. You know, go figure. Suddenly my feet are missing all of their tissue. I didn't want to push it because I know I've heard stories of people who, like, sit down to change their shoes and never get back in the race. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Mike was saying that 
you know, I don't want to take these off. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be a disaster if I take my shoes off. So I was taking that, that at face value. I was kind of like, all right, I'm not going to push that. I don't want to have this guy sit down and be like, look at his feet and be like, I can't put another shoe back on. Right, or he so, takes off his sock and all the skin and comes And he was tolerating the pain. Yeah. You know, he was just kind of like, yeah, my feet hurt, but... But then we got the '80s or something like that, and it was just like no, there was no, really there wasn't a lot of rain, and the course was, was mostly dry. No yeah. rain. Uh, the course was dry, and well, so I started going swimming um, all the time. Ah. You hit these really nice looking stream crossings, yep. and like at one point, like you know, some full river. Crossings. And it's ninety yeah. degrees. Ninety degrees. Right. Like, Fuck yeah, dude. It makes a lot of so, sense as heat management. It does, and. It just doesn't make sense as foot management. Right. But it does when you have three pairs of shoes in the trunk that you're ignoring. Right. And so what, what shoes were you wearing I for most of the race? We had some, a couple months ago, a defective pair of Pure Cadence Brooks road shoes came through the store. Some kid got mad in the factory, sewed the logo on upside down. We can't sell them. Brooks doesn't want them back. Ten and a half. Bam. Golden. Brooks Pure Cadence. Yeah. I wore them a couple times before the race. They made sense race day. The first, the first 15 miles or so yeah, on road. Road. So I was like, I'll start in a road shoe, and then I'll throw the trail shoes. And the road shoes felt so fucking good that I was like, there's no reason to switch to a trail shoe. And every aid station, Jeff Green or Bertrand or Laura would come up and be like, you ready for your trail shoes or something? And I was like, no, I'm good. So it's like, you know, keep on fucking moving. <laughs> and then I was noticing, like, a lack of draining qualities. I was noticing some things. I had some in gingies. What I had this toenail with the couch, and it was gonna come off. And I was like, I don't want this toenail floating around in my sock, so I'm gonna wear these in gingies. They were in gingies that I wore at Medved Madness, back in what was that March, May, May, first week of yeah. May, and the madness gets muddy, and these things were like crusted over. I hadn't thought much about it. I pulled them on in the morning, and it was like wearing like sheetrock on my feet. Have you uh, washed them? I did. <laughs> Sometimes it takes more than it one. It didn't fucking do anything. <laughs> yeah, because they get, the, all the dirt gets stuck inside the little toe holes. Right, yeah. They were like putting, it was like putting like shit on my, like hard, like cooked mud oh socks my God. on my feet. So I'm like, I work at a shoe store. I can't like, nobody Yeah, you work at a shoe show, a shoe store, and you ran a hundred mile trail Ultra in road shoes. But the socks Minimalist. Are Minimalist road, shoes. road shoes with bad socks. So I'm like, even like the last week and a half when I'm like staggering around the store and people are like, "What's wrong with your feet?" Do as like, I say. I'm like nothing. Like you know. I just learned a <laughs> lesson. I'm doing research, so you guys don't have to suffer. Is do as I say, not as exactly. I do. Exactly. My answer to everything in life. Oh is my god. Ignore me. All right. But, so sorry for asking, but so, then you changed into what? Yeah, at mile, mile I, I put 90. the Innovate Trail, uh, the Race Ultra 290, an amazing shoe. I've done four or yeah, five hundred miles. The shoe that's huh? designed to run designed the road. Shoe, <laughs> the trail shoe, that, the shoe perfect, that he runs in all the time. Perfect shoe for the him. race. Yeah, so I put that on, and I couldn't get it. My feet were so fucking big that I couldn't get the thing on. And I remember like pulling it on over these blisters and just like inside like crying and trying to be positive there was everybody around and I'm like I just want to be positive I want to be happy and um you know inside I'm happy it's that like you know I I tend to like really late in races like that sink into the idea that you're living moment to moment and like every second that you're existing in is your entire life and if I'm miserable 
at any given moment, then my entire life is miserable, and I don't have time for that. So even in agony at an aid station with my favorite people in the world surrounding me, I'd like to find a way to channel some sort of positivity into that. And these fucking shoes, like, I'm trying to pull these things onto my feet, and it's just like, I got the balagas out, the hidden comfort, and they feel like those feel good. But the shoes, man, like a ten and a half no longer was a ten and a half. It was like an eight and a half, kids. And the narrow. And um, Oh, this is making me uncomfortable. I need so, to take my socks off. So, yeah, I get these things on, and it's just like shit. And just the blisters, a couple exploded. And you know that, like, hot pus, like, it burns. Like, get that lighter, the blowtorch off my foot. Um, but, yeah, so that was that. That was my shoe issues. And I'll never do that again. And... So what we've learned is never wear a road shoe during well, I don't even think it was that. Like, Davin wore 890s the entire race, New Balance, yeah. and he, you know, he fucking won. He never, he had no blisters, partially, I mean, fresh pair of features. I saw him open them that morning. They weren't crusty. He didn't uh, have sheet wall socks. Yeah, and the, you know, so it's not so much the road shoe, it's just irresponsible foot management. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, water looks so appealing in 90 yeah, yeah. degrees. You're like, shit. And you, I mean, you run training races where you can get in water, run yes. through streams. Yes. Because you're not going to pay the price because you're out there for 26 miles or something. Yeah, and it's yeah. not a bad hours deal if, right. if maybe it's not 90 miles, yeah. right? right? Like, it's if maybe you would have yeah. changed that 50K right. and then maybe at, you know, 80 or yeah. something. And, I've, and I've, I've just never had feet like that. And I, yeah. that was a totally awesome. I was still experience. supporting the idea of. Of dousing and streams, yeah. because you might not, like good idea. you might Jam not have made it to ninety miles, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's and that goes back to also like where Jamie was like, you know, maybe we should move out of aid stations more quickly, but then we look at it, you know, kind of like if we move too quickly out of them, does it hinder our ability to move right. quickly out of mm-hmm. them? You know, because right. we had fallen into a strategy of I'd go into the aid station, salt pill, pickle juice, water, whatever. Um, and then we would walk. I would eat some watermelon. That was, you know, most of what I ate that day. Um, and we would walk out of them and just let things kind of sink in mm-hmm. and then start running when it was comfortable again. And uh, there was perhaps a whole shitload of time wasted just, like, being a social butterfly, being like, hey, guys. Well, it's comforting. It is comforting. It's, it's I, very comforting. That's the thing. I didn't want to leave my friends. And, uh, you know... That's cool. Next time I'll get it. Next time I'll run 20 hours and things will be better. But this time was good to learn. So at at mile 90, you're kind of, Jamie, you're kind of saying, okay, maybe, maybe not. Right. It's a tale of, uh, I mean, I had a um, I mean, like, equally yeah. bad dumb management as Mike did. Um, the main thing that, that was wearing on me at that point was chaffage. Like inner thigh chafage. We don't need to go into the details yeah, too well, much. We know what an inner thigh is, and we know what chafing is. Um, so. And you know, I think that was just me being a jackass. Like I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm gonna pace. I'm gonna run a a long run. It's, most of the time, it's not gonna be all that hard because we're gonna be moving at a, a late 100 mile pace. Um, and I'm gonna be hiking a lot, and I didn't think that much about it, like what I needed to wear and. I wore shorts that were just not not protective enough and I didn't like manage ahead of time and well, and pretty soon didn't. I found myself chafed and like by the time I did I was like oh crap, and you didn't account late. you didn't account for the 12 hours of wearing those shorts while you <laughs> waited for him right one of the more impressive things I've ever seen though running 
was not not so much like Killian running downhill, but it was You're running in a cowboy stance. I was laying down thirty fucking miles in the wide stance, just like <laughs> bow legged, like out to the side, just getting it done, like single track, like feet on the outside of the track, just working it, man. I'm right on trail, but both of my feet was, are off trail. Yeah. <laughs> it was for a very very long time. It was awesome. <laughs> And I was like, man, he's been doing that for a really long time. Uh, which made it, like, way more, um, like, I, I was kind of like, dude, I should just let go of him finishing the race with me. Uh, my, you know, it, We're doing this together, Hobbs. <laughs> that, that was, like, a big part of me. I was like, you know, I love the idea of finishing the race with a guy that just took the time out of the day to run yeah. fucking 10, 12 hours with me. But, you know, Jeff Green, I'll take Jeff Green any right. day. I like Jeff. Yeah. Um, so at 90, I had that option of tapping out. And I'm like, no way. You know, I'm going to finish this race with him. So I know that's what Mike wants. And, like, you know, that's what I want. I came here. There's no reason I can't run the next 10 miles. Between well, I'll give you two reasons. 90 and 95. <laughs> You're left in my thigh. Wait, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. We have a fresh guy waiting there. Yeah. But I'm just like... Getting rawer and rawer. <laughs> well, I remember I, was, I covered bridges like in a chair under a well lit tunnel, it's and like he's a, just like got his shorts pulled over to the side, and he's just like rubbing back. He's like working it, dude. He's yeah, and it was you know, it became apparent. That's that how I missed this whole uh, episode of putting on the shoes and oh. so much pain. I was busy oh, right, lubing up somewhere. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> So if you got you guys both were out with lower body injuries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, one of the, the the aid station captain came over and he's like, "We got like serious blister care over here if you need anything." And I was more like, you know, check that guy's groin. Because <laughs> <laughs> he like left it back on the trail, but <laughs> I'm gonna need him for the next miles. Yeah. Uh, wow. But yeah, green steps in. And I felt so, I just yeah. felt bad, you know, whining about anything at that point because I knew Mike had twice as many like yeah. miles yeah, on his legs. It's, like, it's so but, you know. it's so interesting to think that you, yeah, you didn't run a hundred miler, but you ran at the end what you ran a thirty-seven miler. Well, yeah, no, well we I talked about forty, forty-six. Yeah, we talked about. So I mean, from fifty-three to I went to ninety-five. Long course. Fifty-three yeah. to ninety-five. So that's forty-two by the race course map. Right. By my watch, it was 47. Yeah, right. by my watch, it was over 47. Right. Um, so, long course. 45 miles. And we're talking about you know, a guy that just recreationally fucking runs a 50 mile or just right. the hell of yeah, it. Yeah, like, just on a and day. I, there was, yeah. It was funny because, like, there was a lot of people who run a 12 hour 50 miler and that's their, their <laughs> A race. Yeah, like, you know? This is what I'm saying. I look at that, like, retrospectively, I look at how long it took me to do the back half of the race. And I'm like, a lot of people, you know, that's that's a good achievement for life. And I, I want to feel good about that. I want to respect that about people. And I, right. like, I struggled mightily with that. And it was there was this, like, kind of enchanting... The last segment we did together, we dump out of the woods into this, like, weird college town. Okay. Which I think was Akron. Maybe. But there's, like, bars. Uh, I think and it's still part of Cuyahoga Falls. It was, yeah, like that. Because we walked, walked by a sign that said... Well, Cuyahoga Falls. Yes, whatever. Uh, Lucid? I just remember, like, drunk people, and there was some, like, a guy was peeing in the bushes, and he wasn't a runner, so it was, like, weird to see that. 
Oh, you, you have a bib. You can't pee in these bushes. Teenager, yeah. twenty-year-old girls who are like, Take "I like your beard." Yeah. I like your dreads. And yeah, <laughs> some college kids came by that were like, "You're almost there," and I was like, "Oh shit!" People know like what's happening. Um, but it was it was weird to like go through that, and then um, you know the the end segment of that race. There's like a weird gap that's not on trails. Uh, that's kind of. It's nice in a way. It's it's like you're reconnected with civilization, and then you're back in the trails. And that was after I picked Jeff up. We crossed this bridge, and the cop that took us across the bridge for no reason at all because there's a sidewalk, and we don't cross hey, anything. Well, you complain about all these unmanned road crossings. Well, I see a police officer at 96 miles, and I'm like... What are you doing? You're like, I'm and totally sober, dude. I'm like, I, I need Jamie back because <laughs> I'm going in. Uh, but, um, so yeah, we crossed the bridge. We we turned down this fucking road, and it was like the worst couple miles of my life. And then they're like, yeah, right into the park. And we turned right into the park, and it's just this wall. And I was like, you've got to be shitting me. Like this single track wall, straight up, out of fucking nowhere. It was, it was bad. Um. But then we're back into it, and that, and that was, you know, now we're back out of that, and we're behind, like, some weird, like, there's, like, a plant that was, like, Springfield, you know, from The Simpsons. It felt like that for a minute. Then we're back in the woods, and there's a staircase that was, like, the golden staircase from So L. So things really seem like they started speeding up for you. She got crazy, man. She got really crazy. It didn't speed up. I remember leaving him and being, like, four miles to go, like, I'll see you in an hour. And being like, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be the longest. Well, like, you're in a town, you're out of a town, you're in a park, you're seeing the industrial, you're out of It's a variety of stuff. It's a unique course, and I liked it a lot. And I still think that any, like, entry-level 100-mile runner could really benefit from that race. I think it's, if you can manage heat, I think it's an awesome first race. Mm -hmm. Uh, It still makes me feel bad about the last, dumping out the last five miles, four miles. Jeff was good. Jeff... Jeff was just like we got to like near the end before Laura and Matt jumped in to run us in. Last mile, yeah. The last mile, and he's like, "So I was wondering if you thought about the fact that I'm like, you know, I don't see so well, and <laughs> you're just, at night you decided to pick up a new pacer that does not see very well." And I was like, "Yeah, I didn't care. You know, I just wanted someone here with me, and and that makes all the difference in the world." Is really like I think about the idea of finishing that race alone. And I don't, th- I don't know that it would have happened. Maybe it would have. If know. there was no one there, I would have, I would have finished. Yeah, definitely. Jamie would've, definitely would have finished. Just kept my wide stance it going. A, yeah. <laughs> it was an option you had. Right. It just didn't make sense to me when I had. I but know, even, yeah, even the sure. miles, like the miles that I did with Jamie after the sun went down, I was in the dark for five hours, six hours, mm-hmm. and it was like those like trail miles where you know there's fucking coyotes howling, and it's like this is some not cool shit to be in alone at night. Yeah. Uh, Especially when you're fatigued and any and a beaver or like a fucking squirrel could come out and kill me. A chipmunk could jump out of a tree and be like, "You're dead," and I would just be like, "Take me." Again, kill there me. was definitely oh. something. There was a lot of wildlife out there in there the was. dark. Yeah, there was definitely out coyotes howling. Well, howling and that's what I think about some of these, like you know, the bigger races, right? The unmarked courses out in the Hard Rock, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, the joke is that Adam Campbell got hit by lightning. Yeah. That's not a joke. The dude got hit by lightning. Was, yeah, right. There's like this one distinctive mile where. He and I have been going, and it's that covered bridge loop where we haven't seen anyone in a long time, and it's starting to get really dismal. And suddenly, these you see two headlamps coming up, and I'm like, oh, it's just hikers or something. And they're like, 
hey, runners, ends up being Bertrand and Green. And then, like, right when they say that, there's this, like, it sounds like a grizzly bear in the woods. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it, like, just bails. And we're like, what the fuck was that? Uh, you know, scary shit when you're, you know, you're, like, dying because you just ran from Cleveland. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It was that. Was, that shit was awesome. So, was, so now you're coming in, right? And so, um, Laura and Bertrand join you for your last mile, and you got Jeff up. Green, right? Yeah. So, now you got a crew of four for the last I mile. I really can't say enough about the finish of that race. Um, you get this long, like, really, you know, this awesome nighttime, like, hometown feeling stretch, and there's like a kind of like a clock tower, like village square type thing that it finishes. Very cool. And you're just and there's people out, and it was fucking three in the morning, and there's people, like on the stretch, just cheering as you go by. And I was like, this fucking rules. This is awesome. And it, you know, there's no life left in you at this point. Yeah. Uh, total death. Total. Your body's been like, you know, committing to the idea of death for like six hours, and it's just, <laughs> um, you, you're just going and like, the cheering, and I see Jamie. I see Dobbin, I see uh, Roger, his dad, and... Dobbin's woken up from his... Yeah, he woke up from his slumber, and he came back to drink with me when I finished. I saw the pictures, he's well-dressed. Yeah, and Jamie was well-dressed at the time, and, I, and there's just a chair. Oh, I, I just stripped off some running gloves and put on some running gloves. Jamie looked good. Jamie looked fresh. I feel like if I had to do it again, he could have been ready to go. <laughs> um, but there's just a chair, and, I, and I, I remember, like, the weeks leading up to the race, and during the race, I was like, man... This is gonna be like really emotional and, and magical to finish this race. I'm gonna cross the line and it's just gonna be this, you know, overwhelming experience of joy and, and achievement. And I crossed the line and it was just there's this chair. And I was like <laughs> I just you know, I just sat in the chair. I I hugged Dobbin and he was like, you know, you did a good job and then the chair and then Jamie had beer and I was like you know, that's all I gave a shit about. And yeah. looking back on it, there was, like, no wave of emotion that hit me. I just wanted to drink beer and sit in that chair. And that, I think that, like, pure exhaustion, that, like, mm-hmm. that sort yeah, of, like, were, the next day. Even, like, people, like, all week were like, dude, you ran this far, and that's awesome. And I'm like, but that chair yeah. at the end was so good. Have you found it sort of leaking back in over no, time? No, I think, see, I think, think back it? on, like, the, the amazing moments of the race to me were things like, you know, running with Bray for a while, like, this guy that I've run with a lot in the last couple of years. We've done a lot of races together, and, you know, being able to share some early, like, pre-dawn road miles. The sun comes up, and we're, like, together on this long stretch with a nice climb, and there's, like, fog over a cornfield, and it's just really cool. Um, and then, you know, 40 miles, 45 miles of Jamie, and there was, a, you know, the the thing that the single moment that I remember most from the race as being like this awesome defining point was we came out of going to the aid station at 70. It was still really light out and we're coming out of these trails and it felt a lot like the Ontario summit or the Twisted Branch course. And like we wrapped around a lake, I think, and we, we came up this hill and it's just grass, exposed grass. And we're way up high on this grassy hill and then you go down this like ski slope and back up the other yeah. side to a grassy ski slope and there's the aid station and there's just people like 
waiting you know, at the aid station. Cheering cowbells, and Jamie and I just stopped there, and we both pissed. <laughs> and we were just like, <laughs> you're like looking at one hill yeah. across the other hill where the aid station Yeah, it was like a tale of two cities. And he was like, I have to pee. And I was like, I'm going to pee too. And we just like turned around and pissed. And we're like, you know, on a hill, totally exposed with like this aid station. And that's like, the best part about that whole race to me and then we finished <laughs> and then we stood there for another second and then we ran up to the aid station and they were totally cool it was probably the best aid station on the whole course um aside there was one at 50k where i ran in and it was like like some gospel church sponsored it or something it was awesome they were doing sponge baths and it was these like amazing just so encouraging african-american women that were like they didn't seem to give a shit about running at all but they were like oh you're doing so great let me give you a sponge bath and I was like fuck because I'm dying right now I will take this you guys are fucking beautiful and I love you and they were so great and and that was like a totally unique experience for me in, in ultra running um, but yeah there, there's you know those moments in the race that you know rolling in seeing some little girl with freeze pops and I'm just like I want these for the rest of my day can you be everywhere and she just laughed at me like um, and I tried to eat a potato at one point and I like spit it out at some dude's feet and he just laughed at me. It was little details. I remember like, you being remember. on the on the quest for the uh, our, uh, vegan potatoes. Yeah, it turns out I they they were all vegan and then I got to an aid station and I was like potato, salt, which has always worked really well for me, mouth, and then just like regurge. No. Like it just came right Spit. back out. I was like, fuck, that that can't happen. Uh, but then that little girl with the freeze pops, it was perfect. It was freeze pops were good. The freeze pops were great. Um, I have one in my freezer, by the way. If you yeah, they're. You have one left over from the race. Yeah, it came back in my cooler. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, yeah, so, the, so it was the chair. The finish line is defined yeah, and, by a chair. And the finish line was it was more like like that was so much less of anything to me than what actually had happened. You know the. The preceding events were just so much more meaningful. You know, every every interview I've seen with Killian after he breaks some ridiculous record is him sitting in a chair with a blanket over his legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. people love chairs, man. All the interview car like crying in yeah. the chair after been out there for twenty plus hours. Yeah, it's gonna it's, be it's nice. It's beautiful thing to sit down. It's a lot. I, I think about like, have I ever been? When was the last time I was awake for twenty three hours? And I don't know if. I've really had college, you know, a few times all-nighters, but I think there was probably, like, small naps in between. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, to be moving forward. And then it comes back to, like, what, what's more amazing than, than me running that, to me, is, like, I have a, you know, I have a purpose, I have a goal. I spent $285 to go do this. Of course I'm going to finish it. That's, you know, 80% of what I'll make this year is <laughs> fucking <laughs> Jamie, Laura, Matt, Jeff just like committing that whole like these fucking people they don't have to wake up at 3 a.m. it's Saturday who the hell wakes up at 3 a.m. on a Saturday after going to bed at midnight Friday night it's like that's insane and then to stand there and to be like you know really supportive when you come through no, and that's, it's totally that's, worth it it's and that's the value you know people talk about always like oh the, the community when we talk about running and how valuable that is and I'm like how about the the individuals that just like the, the sacrifice it was amazing like that's you know it's, it's a huge event for me um in life to say okay i finally did this this is something i wanted to do forever and i finally did it and it's like could i have done it alone maybe i don't know i don't want to find out if i could have i don't have to find out if i could have and that's just because i've crafted like a really fucking awesome and dependable group of people that are willing to to wake up before the sun comes up and 
stand there in the heat all day and stuff. See some guy in a shark costume run that. There was a guy in a shark costume. This guy DNF because he was dehydrated, and I was like, really? In a shark suit? And I didn't believe it. You were dehydrated. There is that saying that you're you're the average of the uh, five people you see the most frequently, right? Yeah. And so... Like, you keep hanging around people like this, mm-hmm. you know, that that's the way it ends up. Like, I find that, I find that every day, like, I learn something, and I go, oh, wait, that, that, that person does that thing. That's yeah. pretty cool, you know? Yeah. And, um, like, Strat, Stratton today, this morning, he was, like, slacklining. I think that's kind of neat. Yeah. And he stood on the line and fell off. And then yeah, I saw a picture line. of him, and I was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah. Why not break your leg before it was well, a wrench? It's well, so much stood, easier to run 100 He yet. stood on the line and fell off, and stood on the line and fell off. And, it's hard. And, and over two hours, he got to the point where he was taking four steps on right. that line. Over two hours, though. Wow. Like, simply from, I'll give it a try... Up to that, and you go, well, there you go. Look at what this guy does, you know? Yeah. And and there's things like that that just, you know, why did he... I, I don't know. Why did he feel like I can fall off this line a hundred times? Well, because we're hanging out in a field with a bunch of friends and somebody well, bought yeah, this and line. Yeah, you the hundred and first time. That yeah, and you, but you're willing to do that because of the people that are willing to hang out there and support you while you try to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's that's important shit. I've it's been a really probably the best year of running. You know, 2012 was really good for me, but I didn't have anyone to do it with. It was just like I was out there doing my own thing. I I knew names, but I didn't really know anybody. And I was mm-hmm. just out randomly running races, and you know, seven hour fifty mile felt really good. That was cool, but I didn't. You know, there was no one to really like share the experiences with. And now it's like this year has been awesome because I you know Cayuga and. Laurel and I get to you know Sagahunda and fucking mm-hmm. Ontario and I you know you, you get to be around these people all the time and it's just uh, just amazing just you know it sort of amplifies it right a little that, bit yeah. like like you could have maybe done these things well you take the you take the sport that's like theoretically the the most independent sport in the world you're out there mm-hmm. you know almost you know eighty percent yeah. of what you're doing is based on you alone and it's like. Yeah. Yeah. That that's crazy, you know. We're not on a cross country team or anything. We're not doing this for a team. We're do, we're doing this for like self gratification. We like to compete. We like to do well. We all have egos, whether we talk about it or not. Yeah. We we're trying to do a thing, and uh, it's it's nice to kind of like have that reprieve into some sort of social. Yeah. Um, we we love to be alone, except for when we don't. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that's the thing when you're when you get to a level of I've been alone long enough to you know to then go okay I, I need people oh it's you people fabulous thank you so much like, this hurts and, this is um, right it's painful tired. and then you get the people like you that say well you can keep going yeah and and by the way you know would you like to change your shoes screw you I don't want to change my damn <laughs> well, shoes that was like the best part about you know? I think about Burning River was that it never it never once became an idea of like, well, you need to keep going. I, re- I was reading, there was a Trail Runner magazine like the month before, and they were talking about Jen Shelton. Was, there was a Jen Shelton article, and she, was, she writes really well. She was talking about that dude Billy yeah. from Born to Run and about like his plague of 100 mile DNFs. And Burning River was the one she was talking about. And she was talking about Covered Bridge. And she's talking about him sitting in a chair at, like, mile 86. And she's like, you can fucking crawl in the cutoff time. And he just won't do it. And I, 
that was like so intimidating to me to get there and be like, this guy is, he's like written about in a book, uh-huh. and he's this guy, and his his friend, his pacer, his his best friend is like arguably one of the best female ultra runners of all time, and she's like yelling at him like, get the fuck out of the chair, let's go run, mm-hmm. and I was like, I just gotta get through this, and then right. Jamie and I can bring this home, we can do this. Uh, and I will say, you know, like it, I didn't have to do all that much prodding. Yeah. Um, yeah, there really wasn't any. I thought like, Mike. Mike was gonna do it. You know, right. he was suffering at points, and he was slow at points. You know, like I'm nauseous and I can't run right now. Kind of, you know, but like it wasn't. The, I was prepared to have to make a, some sort of speech. You know, like <laughs> get the fuck up. You know, you have to go. <laughs> You're not DNFing this kind of, this yeah. thing. But I never had to do. Well, you needed that. In, like that. You needed in, that in your pocket. Right. Well, there was, and, and <laughs> there was like me thinking throughout the race, like at least like I know Jamie can give me that speech if he needs to. Because I remember like in Laurel, the one the only literally like the only thing he said to me was pretty much like, "Don't let me drop." Like. Yeah before the race in different words but it was essentially that and for me going into Burning River it was pretty much like I think at one point I was like I'm going to start complaining soon and I'm probably going to try to drop just Uh you know stop me I was vomitous coming downhills I was like I would go downhill and the contents of my stomach would go uphill (laughs) and I was it was like this like gravity thing like in my solar plexus like you're going to die now and I was like I'm done and I saw them, and, I, and, you know, it was perfect. Like, you see them, and then you start running again, and while you're out there running again, you lose that, like, sense of, I can, I want to drop. And then you get back to them, and it's just this rejuvenating, like, hook the fucking charges up to me, and, uh, you know, it was great. Yeah, and I think that's it. Like, he didn't have to say those things, I think, because you knew that he would have said yeah, those Yeah, and that, I think that was that. Like, I know. I know exactly what he's going to say to me if I... So sit down and don't get sitting, being, sitting down and being a whiner right. is not, yeah. not right. an option, really. Yeah. Right, and that's, you know, a, you know, I mean, again, the simple thing of the Sega Honda race, like, I knew that you and Matt and Laura were going to be at the aid stations. And, and there wasn't like, oh, they're going to go tell me to go run again, or they're going to do X, Y, Z. It was more like, when I get to the aid station, I'm going to do my job. They're going to do their job. Yeah. They're going to tell me I'm doing great. They're going to tell me to keep going. Well, because I remember it would have been... If you had rolled into an aid station at that race and been like, I'm done, I can't keep going, it would have been like, like have fun next week doing this again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But at the same time, it was also like, um, like, I want to do it a little bit faster. I want to do it a little bit better. I want to be able to be there because you guys are coming and hanging out and um, watch watch how well I can do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I knew that no matter what there was what was needed, it was going to come. Whether it was just the uh the pat on the ass that says, Hey, look at how great you are or if there were no words and you were just there. Yeah. And then I waved and I ran back out. Like whatever it is, that that group of people sort of provides because you know that they're there, you know that whatever it is that is needed would be provided. If you said, uh, I need a lemonade, you know, you know that in 10 miles a lemonade's going to yeah, show up. We'll find a lemonade. Right. And yeah. I think that's what's important. Whether you ask for it or not, you know that it's just going to be there floating on the mm-hmm. side, you know? Agreed. Yeah, and that's, you know, 
that was such a, a huge part of a first hundred mile. And I, you know, for everybody's first hundred miler, you know, things aren't always going to be that convenient. My first hundred k was in the back country alone, with nothing, and it was a good learning experience. And I look back on that, and I'm like, man, if now, I had that was there, Bandera, right? Bandera, if I had had friends there, it would have been a different story. Uh, looking back on it now, and it's, you know, it was really awesome. To you did have that guy. People there, I had a guy. Tim, <laughs> Tim Olson was there. You did have that guy. He knew my name. He was like, hey, Mike, you got this, buddy. Keep it up. Just get back out of that chair. Um, but, I mean, the, you know, it's just really an awesome experience overall and it gets me to, to like the point of, like I hope that I don't know what Jamie will do next year but hopefully you know at some point a hundred miler will crop up and be a thing uh, I think you know hundred miles the new we got, marathon like, an That's 18 what... hour guy right here sitting in the chair waiting to happen and it's like you know these are really cool uh, Laura Matt you anyone could really just yeah. hang this out like, right? like I said with Ben Murphy I'm going to spend a couple of years with 100k's I think mm-hmm. I think that's smart I think yeah. it takes years to build up it is it's kinda... building is an important thing yeah I think I was fortunate you know I've only been running ultras for three four years and I do think that I was lucky to have in some way have made it through um, sub 24 in particular and... but you're fortunate enough to be 30 pounds lighter too and I think that's helpful it's probably, you know, being, you know, and I did drop a few pounds before the race week, like, when I stopped drinking, weight tends to fly off, yep. and that was, I think, was helpful, too. Um, I was carrying a little bit less at the start, yep. uh, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's an experience that I, you know, I can't say enough about, going beyond 60 miles and 70 and then 80 and just being... You hit 80 and the I 20. You think about the the 20 milers that you do, where I'm like, holy shit, this is a 20 miler. That's a long distance cover. You can't ever lose respect for what it means to run one mile. You think about the fucking people that can't run a mile, and you're like, you can do these in six, seven minutes without a problem. And it's like, that's crazy. But then you think about doing it a hundred times, and that's insane. And it's, I don't know, it's something that you know, I I just think is an amazing thing that I hope, you know, all. I think of, it's. It's incredible that you think at, at 80 miles, you're thinking, oh, okay, this race is almost over. Yeah. It's almost over. <laughs> smell the barn. I'm four-fifths you know? of the way through you, this. What you're looking at is a typical long run. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And that, well, that was yeah. that, that sentiment. Like, we hit that, and that woman was like, you're mile 80. And I'm like, I don't want to do well, a long run right now. I'm just already at mile 80. This is a long run. This is like a long back-to-back training run, 20 <laughs> miles, you know? It's, shit. Right. No. <laughs> But, you know, I found that, though, when I um, I started, I don't know, at some point in the middle of July, I started, again, that whole respect for the distance. I'm like, oh, I'm doing 18 today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, I get through 12 miles of that 18, and I'm like, yeah, you're running 18 miles, idiot. You should have brought a little bit of water with yeah. you. Yeah. Maybe you should have brought a snack. What, do you think you just run 18 miles? Well, that's the thing, you know? right? When like, it becomes easy, you lose track of yeah. what it used to be. And right. And then... Suddenly, you know, during a race, you know, mile twenty to forty and a hundred k suddenly becomes what it used to be. It's right. Like this but you can't. Has, so yeah. you can't do that when you're at running a hundred mile race, though. You mm-hmm. can't think twenty miles is a big deal. And that was the cool thing to to me, really, about the distance was, for the first time, there was no way to me to really train for what that 
80 to 100 is going to feel like. There's no way to know what that's going to feel like the first time. Nope, you're not, you shouldn't do a 100-mile training to 100 run. Yeah, sure. no, like, training runs over 40 or like a waste. You're just killing yourself. And that's, that's 60 miles beyond what your longest training run should be. It's like, that's crazy to me. Uh, you know, you hit 50 miles in a race and you're exhausted afterwards. You had a good time and it just feels great. And that was... Man, that was a really good day on the trails. And, like, you finished Zane Gray and really felt, like, totally tapped. Yeah. Holy shit, that was awesome. Yeah. You know, I did 50 miles. I can't lift one of my legs, but I feel great. I got an awesome shirt. And, uh... Spent my whole day out there in the, in the woods exactly. on the trails. That's, that's an amazing well, fucking day. What do I need to like, do? What else could <laughs> a human being want besides a day in the woods or the mountains mm-hmm. just doing this shit? And then you're 50 miles, and then you do it again without stopping <laughs> and it's like that to me was like whoa uh, yeah I just you know I love the idea of that and it was during the race I was like I'm never fucking doing this again this is so stupid and then like the, the first time I could walk afterwards like Monday I was like you know when's next you know it'll be next year but it's like the, the eagerness to really train and learn from my mistakes and kind of just do a better job with it I just you know I can't wait well, so you have to, to me. you have to do it again to cut out all that aid station. I do. Time, right? You know, I got. And that was, that, and that was a, a huge fucking. That was you know, I was, and during the race, I was consciously thinking there. Like, I remember Jamie going through aid stations at, at Laurel, and it was like, barely stopping to talk, like barely to be like, maybe I'll want this at the next one. And I was like, you know, ten seconds at a time, and here I am, just like <laughs> five minutes in, like, what's up, guys? Yo. It got longer as we went. Yeah, and I was like, I'm gonna sit down, give me some more ice. You know, for my bandana, and then I'm making up dumb shit like, you know, let's talk about like, how's the weather looking, or like, how are you guys feeling? Uh, how's Bray doing? Things that I don't need. Where to know. Guys, I, I, where are you guys gonna eat dinner? Completely irrelevant fucking information that I'm using to just sit there, and uh, lollygag, and you know, down the road, I, th- I think I'm I'm excited to see what's possible, but. Next oh. time, maybe there'll be that big emotional thing instead of just the maybe, chair. Maybe I'll finish in some emotional capacity next time. But instead of just the chair. Instead of just a chair glowing in the dark. I like that, though, when we pulled into some of the aid stations and they're like, how are you doing? And Mike was like, I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you want to was know what was going on with the aid important station. Important to me to make sure that everybody out there is doing well. <laughs> and like, they were just kind of like, what? I'm here to take care of you, though. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking volunteers, man. They're important. <laughs> And there's like a point to point hundred miler volunteer. It's like an endless stream of volunteers, a city of them yeah, spread out. It is. And you think of it, and you, that to that course, you think of the magnitude of a. I remember the guy, the guy speaking at the award ceremony the next day. The, the magnitude of arranging a race that largely is in metro parks, like from city to city. Uh, you know, so you're in the woods, but it's metro areas. And that's a fucking nightmare, you know? Point-to-point races are insane. And Each then, park has a different authority or... Well, yeah, exactly. Parks, it's like, several of them, but... Like, said there's like seven people that mark that course. It's like an endless array of people involved with it. Yeah. And everybody just does their part and they get it done. And that's so amazing. Aid stations, just like 50 aid stations of just awesome people coming out and like, you know, open to close, just chilling there. And I'm, I think about like the week before that, working at SPF, you get, what, two hours at Turk Hill, and I'm about to die. Literally about to die. I was, like, naked in a parking lot. Like, I'm dying. Uh, give me a burrito. And, 
and you, I look that's, at you know this is the conversation we had with some main station worker. We did. You came in and you're like, "How are you guys doing?" They're like, "We're okay." You're like, I worked at aid station just last week. Yeah. I was let drunk. Tell, let me tell you about the time. Yeah. Sit down right here next to me. But, yeah, it's, I don't know. That, that's what makes it awesome to me is not so much like, you know, I, I like the fact that I did that and it's out of the way, but the, like, acknowledgement yeah. of what everybody else did in between. Was, you must have this extreme conflict between racing and chatting. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing there's not a whole yeah. lot of uh, aid stations in these shorter races. That well, it's funny, you look at, like, like Can Lake when I tried to actually race it and not talk to anyone, and I just blew up and dropped it, like, right? 34 miles or something. I should talk more and, you know, shut up <laughs> and just... You know, Wait, like talk more or shut up? Talk more, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, like, I don't know. I, yeah. Who knows? It's, it's, it's exciting. Tough. It's, it's, a good it's tough to be a people person and hate people. It is people. tough, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm at odds with my loathing for people and my love for people. Um, it's yeah. your love for creatures and your hatred of people, yes. yeah. really. <laughs> but And I've surrounded my... I've, I've found a way to really, you know, I picked really good people to be around all the time, and that's something that is, you know, invaluable in terms of what I do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> so I hadn't uh, talked to you in the past all that much since the race. A couple of days afterwards we texted a little bit. But you're, uh, sounds like you're ready to go and do another race and like... Yeah. Get back on that horse. So yeah, the birthday, the birthday water gap. Water gap, water gap, fifty k. I think it's an Ian race, right? Yes. That Ian's, yeah. Ian oh, Golden, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think it's Ian's. Um, fast fifty k. Cole, I think Cole Crosby's racing, so it'll be cool to see how fast he does it. it can't be all that fast. It's got to be a lot of gain. They, it's advertised as flat. Uh, see how that pans out. Huh. Um, flat-ish. Because uh, I know the water gap. There's a river valley, and there's steep climbs on either yeah. side of it. So, so is it my be, expectation is it would be like, the course would be like up and down. It's gonna be like Letchworth, where it's like gully type no shit. It's it's flat in between the climbs and descents. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Point one miles flat. And then, <laughs> who knows? Um, but and you have twisted branch, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, then twisted branch and who knows what. Then you'll do Menden again because that's what happens. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's sort everybody's of everybody's like I've like, you know, I'm done with racing for the year, and then there's Menden. And then everybody's November like, comes around. I'm never right? doing Menden again. I can be there in 20 minutes. And then we're all Menden can, again, can, telling yeah. the line like, how did this happen? So that that's my thought right now. I'm not signed up for anything after twisted branch, and I'm yeah. like, oh, there's always Menden. Uh huh. And the fact that I use Menden to train, and I I do three loops regularly. Yeah. What's, what's two more? What's two more? Right. Well, I know what the fifth one's like. All my oh, friends have t- all my friends have told it me. It is about right. The yeah, Menden one. can be and and like last year, Menden was like really telling to me when you know I did the first loop with you. Yeah. Part of the second one, I think, and then I yeah. was like, I'm cramped. Yeah. Fuck it. Uh, and then, I was, <laughs> then I'm like, I'm oh, oh, I'm broken, I'm broken. Loop five rolls around, and I hit that that midpoint aid station. And here comes Feisner, just down the hill, and I was like, huh. That dying. that one you can't really be motivated by. All my friends came out to see me. No, can you can't. Yeah, because it's just 
Because <laughs> they would have been it's like Brian yeah. Thomas and yeah. Eric Egan. Like, yeah, you got Egan yelling shit at you every time you're through, and then BT's sitting there, like, just timing. And then it's just like, oh, weather, you suck, you know. Welcome to fucking Rochester on whatever day that race is on. It could be 80 degrees the day before it, and 80 degrees the day after it, and the Menden 50k day will be, like, drizzly and fucking 32 and windy, hypothermic. So, hey, everybody, sign up for the Menden yeah, 50k. That's why we do it. It's a lodge <laughs> full of shivering beasts, you know. Yeah. Good race. I love it. So, hey, Delaware, you know. Delaware. I'll, I'll look at it. Look at it. JFK is something I'm looking at, too. Yeah. Fast 50, elite field. I like elite people. Even just going to JFK I'm would be cool. My ass kicked by elite people. Yeah. <laughs> I like not having to be concerned with elite oh, yeah. people. I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. All right. Unless well. you put that hat on, and then Carrera's going to be like, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, just a few housekeeping items before we wrap up this episode. If you're curious, Mike finished the Burning River race in 23 hours and 13 minutes. Those time goals that Jamie was talking about was under 24 hours. Mike was, Mike was interested in not running for more than a day. Um, and when he mentioned that's how fast Davin had finished, that was um, a winning time of 17 hours and 50 minutes. And as Mike said, yes, uh, Davin will be on the show in the very near future. Um, he's just busy running more 150 milers all over the state. So we'll find a time to get together with him and hear his side and his experience of Burning River as well. Additionally, one more housekeeping note. Uh, Mike did eventually have the Lake Erie Monster, so don't worry, that did not go to waste. Um, the workers' comps all got taken care of, and then Mike uh, came along and finished off the monster. Um, other than that, I think we'll put um, Mike Weldon's Burning River 100 to a close. So uh, thank you all very much for listening. And again, thank you so much for sharing with your friends uh, via the Facebook sharing. The um, Those of you who have written iTunes reviews, um, thank you, uh, Colin Bailey, for your iTunes review. We're now up to three total reviews, folks. Wow. If you'd like to provide feedback to the show, you can send that feedback uh, two ways, either at Run Inside Out on Twitter or you can head off to the page on the website on the feedback form at runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash feedback if you'd like to leave a longer message. Um, so again, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. This show could not exist if you weren't out there running and creating new stories and being eager to share them with your friends. And remember, be thankful for what you've been given. Be proud of what you've achieved and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.